from Public Health Institute, welcome to the PHI CDC Global Health Podcast, a new podcast that highlights stories from the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program, a U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention funded program implemented by the Public Health Institute. Our fellows are guided by CDC Global Health experts and work on the front lines of global health, developing the technical and professional skills needed to make meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges. I'm your host, Whitney Hall, the program's administration and communications specialist. Today, our guest is Mike Sage, MPH. Mike is the program director for the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program and holds a number of other roles in public health. Mike is especially passionate about environmental health, and he spent over 30 years working at CDC in various leadership roles and capacities, which you'll learn a lot more about during our interview together. All right, well, welcome, Mike. Thanks so much for joining the podcast today. I'm really excited to have you on. It's great to be here. Um, look forward to, to talking with you, Whitney. Wonderful. So, yeah, let's just get right into it. Uh, as the program director of the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program, what does your role involve? A number of a number of activities. Uh, I think my the first role I see myself having is to is as a the champion for the program uh, within CDC and with our public health partners. Um, this I try to to really promote the program and uh, promote the fellowships and try to increase opportunities and talk as much as I can about the accomplishments of the fellows. Um, then I then the next uh, uh, activity that I see as a priority is supporting the team that uh, actually like yourself and the other members of the team that really are the are staff that that uh, support the fellows and make sure the program works uh, then I, then working with mentors and with CDC programs uh, to try to ensure that communications and the best experience to the fellows um, and just ensuring uh, that uh, it's as good of a uh, of a experience as possible for fellows uh, and in in these times to be sure it's uh, it's a safe experience also in the time of covid yes um, I know you're involved in several other projects besides the fellowship program. Can you share a brief overview of the other projects you work on and the roles that you hold right now? Sure. I, I'm just starting as a coach uh, for two teams in the National uh, Leadership Academy for the Public's Health, which is also a part of the Public Health Institute. Um, the teams are Louisville, Kentucky and um, Washington, D.C., uh, these it's the the teams are focused on primary prevention of uh, lead poisoning in children, uh, trying to eliminate all sources of lead from the environment. Um, this is really a kind of a pilot project for the National Center for Environmental Health, who wants to promote an initiative, a national initiative, uh, on uh, on primary prevention of lead poisoning and eliminating all sources of lead from children's environment. Um, so that's going to take up some of my time in the in the next year. Uh, I also help advise with uh, Crystal Flexman, who's the development officer at, at PHI. Help advise on strategies with inside CDC and programmatic strategies with 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 PHI. Um, in my as a volunteer, I serve as uh, the executive director of the Stop of Stop TB USA, which is a small advocacy group. Uh, trying to promote uh, uh, the elimination of tuberculosis in the United States. 
Um, and I continue, though uh, not as active as, as I used to be a few years ago, uh, in household air pollution and global air pollution activities uh, with the, the uh, Implementation Science Network at the National Institutes of Health. Wow. Okay. Well, you have a very busy schedule. <laughs> and I know you have a lot of experience with environmental health. Uh, what first drew you to public health? Was it something you always knew you wanted to pursue or was it a more gradual realization? Well, I was actually very lucky uh, to have a mentor in college as a professor. Uh, I was actually in, uh, very interested in plant biology. I was in uh, a plant genetics program in college, and uh, my uh, professor uh, thought that I might have more of an interest in public health. Actually, uh, it might be it might be a better fit for me. Um, so he introduced me to an epidemiologist at CDC, uh, and uh, um, who I started to do an internship with one summer while I was in college, and ended up at CDC right after college. Um, and was there for 34 years um, in, in numerous assignments. But uh, I started uh, in, in, with CDC in uh, rural North Carolina, uh, working in communicable disease control efforts with migrant health clinics. Uh, and then uh, CDC actually sent me uh, for my master's degree in public health at the University of North Carolina. And then it was for almost 10 years in what's called field operations. So I worked in St. Louis for uh, about two years. I worked for about a year in Texas. I went to Puerto Rico uh, and worked at Caribbean operations and ran the immunization program there for three years. Um, and then I went to San Francisco to the regional office of the Public Health Service uh, and was there for almost three years uh, before I returned to CDC. So it, it, was, it was really uh, at the urging of a, of a professor that I, that, I, that I went into public health. Did you keep in contact with that professor I at all? I sure do. He's still alive. His name is Charette oh. Chase. Uh, he is uh, 96 years old now. Wow. Uh, and he still runs a conservation uh, effort along the Hudson River in New York. Uh, and uh, is still very active. Wow, that's incredible. Um, was your undergrad in Atlanta or? No, yeah, it was no. at Syracuse University. Oh, okay. Uh, in the School of Environmental Sciences and Forestry uh, was my undergraduate. Um, and then my MPH was from the, the University of North Carolina. So the internship you did with the epidemiologist from CDC was that in that must have been in Syracuse also then no that was no. actually that was actually in Africa oh okay um, so I got to spend some a part of my summer uh, seeing if I'd be interested in pu in public health with him uh, in Africa and that's what really got my interest and uh, mm -hmm. Applied for a job at the t at the time, and now the CDC is back to this. But at the time, um, they had a very large field operations domestically in the United States, uh, mm -hmm. where they where they hired people right out of college, and you got experience uh, like on the job, really almost more on the job experience working in local public health, um, and that's how I started my career. 
Okay. Wow. That's so interesting. Um, well, you have so much history with CDC. You're saying 34 years and you're also, I mean, you kind of inspired this podcast because you have so many stories about CDC. So I would love to hear how, you know, how your roles at CDC changed over time. Um, and when you were first introduced to global health, I mean, it sounds like with global health, right, kind of right off the bat with your experience abroad, but, um, yeah, just kind of how it, how your roles at CDC evolved over the years. Yeah. You know, in, in, uh, um, even though I did an internship that involved some time overseas, uh, it wasn't until I went to the Caribbean where I started getting more involved in global health activities. Uh, most of my work was in Puerto Rico, which is considered a d- domestic um, assignment, but we did a lot of work throughout the Caribbean. So uh, it was a mix of a, of a, uh, a domestic and a global assignment. Um, but then I was, I, I really didn't get back to global health until like 20 years later. Uh, I went back when I went from, from Puerto Rico to San Francisco. Um, my, the assignment in San Francisco was to, to be a, uh, a public health planner in which I was working with the state of California and the Sixth Army to develop what was, called, what was then called the California Earthquake Plan. Um, and I was I was uh, the planner, I guess is the best way to put it for for the uh, uh, health what was called emergency support function number eight, uh, which was health and medical services. Um, interestingly enough, in the 1990s, that turned that plan, that California earthquake plan, turned as the framework into the framework of what we now call the National Response Plan of the United States, uh, with all the emergency support functions that FEMA and all the federal agencies and most state agencies uh, follow as the, as the emergency preparedness and response plan for, for the United States. I returned from San Francisco uh, at a time when the Cold War was ending uh, to the National Center for Environmental Health, which is where I had always wanted to work. Uh, I'd always, my interest had always remained in environmental health. Um, and I, so when I returned to, to Atlanta, uh, where I spent the rest of my career, that was in 1989, um, I started in something with a guy named Jim Smith, uh, something called the Radiation Studies Program. And this was uh, an effort to take a look at the nuclear weapons complex of the United States. As, as the Cold War was ending, uh, all the uh, declassification of documents was occurring. And it was uh, apparent that there were concerns in communities around the nuclear weapons complex, which is 17 facilities around the United States, um, that there might be a potential exposures to communities over the years and whether any of their health concerns were related to those exposures. So we began a whole series of studies across the country. Uh, that was actually my longest serving position at CDC was in radiation studies. As I started moving up my career, I got the opportunity to be a, uh, a associate director for policy and planning at the National Center for Environmental Health, uh, and where I focused on what is now uh, what is now the National Asthma Program, the National Environmental Health Tracking Program, the National Bio, uh, Biomonitoring Program of of the NCEH laboratories, and a number of other activities that we, that uh, we were trying to promote at the time. Uh, 
just as that was, uh, just as the end of the 1990s was happening, um, there became more and more concern around t potential terrorist activities. So I got involved uh, in at CDC in developing the first national strategic plan for biological, chemical, and radiological terrorism events. Um, right, you know, this was 1999, so two years before 9/11. Uh, at the at at the end of of that that period of time, I was still working uh, at, at, in that project, I should say, I was still working uh, in as associate director for policy and planning and, and environmental health and 9-11 happened. Uh, and as 9-11 unfolded, I was very involved in with the center in, in managing the CDC response to 9-11. Uh, and then as the, the anthrax attacks on the media in New York, Unfolded. I was uh, a guy named Steve Osteroff, who was the epidemiologist, and myself were the people who were leading the the uh, the effort in New York by CDC to investigate the anthrax attacks. And when I returned to CDC, the the new director from from those assignments, um, the new director of CDC was was a woman by the name of Julie Gerberding. Um, she was. Um, just starting what was at the time called the Office of Terrorism Preparedness and Emergency Response. And a guy named Joe Henderson and myself, uh, Joe became the director and I became the direct, deputy director of that office, which today is now called the Center for Public Health Preparedness. Uh, and uh, so that's kind of how my career evolved at, CD, at CDC over, over a 25 year period of time. And then, then I worked for in the Office of Director of CDC on extramural programs. And then my last couple of years, I went back to environmental health where my real interests were. And, I, and that's when I really started be, getting back to global health uh, and started working on global uh, air pollution and health issues. Wow, yeah, I had no idea you had so much experience in, in terrorism and health. Um as well yes most of my career <laughs> wow okay yeah. uh, yes. well that's really interesting to hear about i mean given that you have so much field experience uh you know and, and worked in so many different capacities in cdc are there particular lessons that stand out um especially from those field assignments um that you've had over the years yeah, I, I think the be the be benefit of that experience was that you learned each, and you were you were uh, deeply connected, really, to each component of the public health system. So you started out very much in the local public health, working local issues, working with local health departments and community groups. Um, then you you moved into uh, working with state uh, health departments and and their leadership role in public health within states and territories uh, uh, in the United, such as in Puerto Rico, uh, and then moving uh, from there to the regional office of the public health service, where you really got a perspective of how the federal system interacted with the state and local system, public health system. And, and then back to CDC, where you really focused, were able to focus on CDC, you know, the CDC programs. The, um, 
the experience that built up to that, though, that time of returning to CDC really gave, gave you a, a, a in, as I said, an in-depth understanding of, of local, state, uh, regional, uh, USPHS, uh, public health, and the whole system and how it worked. Um, and then, including in that, you, you got to really work closely with all the partners, such as ASTO, the Association of State and Territorial Health Officers, and all the different organizations that support public health. Um, so you got a really well-rounded experience of the whole system before you went back to CDC and, and focused on, C- on CDC efforts. I've heard you also talk about the Clean Cook Stoves program quite a bit. Are there any stories that stand out that you're most proud of, or maybe you could give our listeners a little bit of an overview for people who don't know what that program was? Sure. Um, the the global so there's a there's an organization that's part of the United Nations Foundation that's called the Global Alliance for Clean Cookstoves, um, and actually it's, it changed its name just recently to the Global Alliance for Clean Cooking, uh, and. Uh, the reason this is important is that about over half the world's population um, still cooks on uh, either three stone fires or very primitive kind of stoves uh, in homes, inside their homes around the world. Uh, and this is one of the leading causes of childhood pneumonia, uh, as well as a n- numerous other uh, health conditions. Uh, and. So what CDC's effort in this was and what I was involved in was trying to evaluate uh, new uh, cooking methods and cooking technology in various projects around the world uh, and um, looking at at in communities what might work uh, in supporting women uh, and families in, in improving their the household air pollution that that affected their health. So uh, probably, I think probably the story that's out of that, that's one of the most interesting one is in Kenya, uh, where we did a very large evaluation in a, in a number of, uh, of villages on, on the uh, coast of Lake Victoria. And, uh, it, and what we came away with is that, that uh, the premise for years, for 40 years, in, the, in trying to improve cook stoves was, was that we could make um, cook stoves clean and safe uh, and, and, and they, they would be used by women, meaning we could take bio, what's called biomass stoves, uh, cooking in wood and dung and, and crop residue and make them clean and, and they would be the solution. Well, it turned out that that's a lot harder to do than we realized in all our evaluations. And we started to switch to a combination where we tried to promote um, making the available clean, um, such as um, liquid petroleum gas, LPG. Uh, in the United States, we call it propane. Uh, starting to tr- see if we could, could make that more available uh, because we knew that was clean. Uh, and the lessons learned out of that are now being used in these programs around around the world, uh, trying to focus in on as clean of technologies as possible. That's great. That yeah, the program is still going on. Um, how long has that program been around? Then it was started in 
two, let me see, when was it? 2012, I think it was. Okay. Uh, so there were lots of efforts in, in trying to, to promote queen cooking prior to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, the problem and the reality is, is many, many of them failed. Um, and the, the Global Alliance hasn't failed at all, but the, prob- the, the challenge is so big uh, that they're, I'm, I, I believe, years away from saying that they were very, they were, they were really successful in meeting their goal. Uh, I, they continue to work to that goal. In this next part of our interview, Mike discusses his experience with mentorship, highlights of the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program, and shares advice for listeners interested in pursuing a longer-term career at CDC and making a lasting impact in the field of public health. Well, since part of the fellowship program is CDC mentorship, are there any mentors you've had? Um, I mean, it sounds like your your professor, to some extent, who turned you on to to public health. But are there any mentors you've had that really stand out as influential in your career from either from CDC or other organizations? Uh, Well, Paul Wiesner, who... uh, who was the epidemiologist I, I was able to work with uh, before I even started at CDC, uh, gave me good advice through time. Um, specifically, though, I think there's a, a, a person that was, his name is Jack Jackson. Uh, still keep in contact with Jack also. Uh, Jack really, and, and another person named Wendell, Wendell Bradford, um, they both gave me um, Good advice, good career advice on how to think about moving forward in my career at CDC. Um, because I, you know, one of the first things you have to decide is is are you going to stay with CDC or are you going to move move to another, you know, uh, public health uh, organization or are you going to even stay in public health? But I decided early on I'd be staying with CDC, and uh, they helped uh, they helped me a lot in thinking about. Uh, how to gather the experiences um, that would that would um, help that would move me through my career with uh, uh, ever more uh, responsibilities uh, and uh, and so finding mentors that that are willing to engage um, and continue to engage over time is uh, is I think a, one of the challenges um, that. That anybody has and trying to work, trying to find and and work with mentors, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, besides our program, I know there are many different fellowship opportunities available in public health and even at CDC. Uh, what stands out that makes our uh, fellowship program different? One, it's focused on global health. At, at CDC, it's the only global health fellowship program. Um, so that's a that's a big uh, and when CDC decided to to um, you know have a cooperative agreement specifically for global health that was a, a big step uh, and uh, though there there were global health fellows prior to this they were all part of a they were all part of a domestic program which sometimes would have global health assignments associated with it. This is really a focus on on global global health and and uh, people um, uh, fellows that are interested in in exploring whether a career in global health is what they're really after. 
Um, there are a lot of career opportunities at CDC and in, in fellowships. Most of those are, are very specific to a, to a certain dip, discipline, such as epidemiology or laboratory science mm-hmm. or, uh, or informatics or health economics. You know, they're very discipline-oriented, uh, folk, discipline-focused, I should say. Um, the, where this one, this fellowship program is, is you know five tracks that that uh, gives a, hopefully a broad experience from epidemiology to management to monitoring and evaluation, um, and all in the area of global health. That's I think what makes it unique. And I heard you say you know early on mm-hmm. you had decided you wanted to you know stay on at CDC long term. What advice do you have for people interested in either the fellowship or current fellows or young professionals, so like MPH students interested in pursuing a longer term career with CDC? I think fellowship programs at CDC uh, are a good way to to get to know CDC and whether you want to to uh, have a career with CD, CDC or not. Um, what I saw as the opportunity and why I wanted to stay with CDC and, and what I tell fellows and other, other uh, program staff at CDC, why I stayed with CDC 34 years and why I continue to work with CDC is that it was one, within one organization, I could have multiple careers. I, 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 got, I got all kinds of different uh, experiences that were really, that people spend whole careers on just that one experience probably five or six different uh, careers within one organization. So if you're looking for an organization that allows you to really uh, explore lots of different opportunities uh, and in lots of different avenues, uh, and but not leave the organization, CDC is very, very, very good for that uh, as an experience. You can also focus, which most of the scientists often do. Uh, you can very, very focus on a particular, you know, uh, um, challenge, public health challenge or a disease or uh, a virus or a specific, uh, you know, very specific public health uh, uh, science issue and stay in that issue the whole the whole time your whole career, which. Many of the scientists at CDC, that's that is, you know, that's their career, and because they're interested in exploring very specific uh, um, molecular genetics or, or you know, a field that's very that has a very technical, and you can also do that at CDC. So, so it gives you a wide berth of kind of opportunities. Um, in order, uh, I think you have to to. Uh, Consider you also have to be very flexible at CDC and willing to to uh, uh, jump into challenges like we're dealing with COVID right now and 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 just work twenty four seven when when you have to 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 address that 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 challenge and a lot of and a lot of people learn that. Uh, that emer- that emergency kind of work uh, is not really uh, for them, uh, and but getting that experience is 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 uh, is the way you learn whether you want to do it as a career or not. Yeah, was the emergency work that you did? I mean, it it seems like it was more related to terrorism, like response to nine eleven and anthrax, and well, it started with earthquakes. 
Oh, uh, right. Yes. And and uh, and natural disasters and hurricanes mm-hmm. and floods, but started with earthquakes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then because of the politics and the and the and the what was going on geopolitically at the time, the the concerns around terrorism came, um, especially biological terrorism came to the forefront. Uh, and then uh, what's happened since then, since 9-11, is, is all of what were little pieces of, of emergency response activities, either response to epidemics or, or uh, you know, outbreak response in a community or um, uh, earthquakes or floods or terrorism events uh, are, are now really under a whole broad framework at CDC that is um, emergency preparedness and response. And uh, even though people from across CDC work in, in all those er- in, you know in all those areas of specialties, uh, there are times like with COVID where the emergency response functions uh, function is all of CDC and, and draws on all of CDC to, to respond to whatever the current crisis is. And pandemic, uh, is something that uh, we've been planning for 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 a while, and is now uh, CDC is is in the middle of, and most people at CDC at this point in time, over including our fellows, um, are have um, have over the year worked in COVID response in some way, even if that wasn't their job. Yes, uh, it's definitely making a big impact. Um, I, you know, you spoke to this a little bit in terms of flexibility at CDC, but are there other uh, qualities or characteristics like soft skills or technical skills that you recommend in terms of just you know, people, young professionals like fellows in our program achieving kind of longevity in the field of public health? CDC managers will tell you that the soft skills are are very important to enhance uh, in your and you're working with others. Uh, there are lots of people and lots of, uh, uh, most people at CDC have high technical skills uh, and are very good at developing technical skills. But the soft skills, the working with people, uh, how to work effectively on teams and, and um, how to collaborate across t- uh, agencies and across t- uh, um uh, departments and across CDC as well as the rest of public health and global health are all skills. Um, something called health diplomacy it really is a soft skill, but it's an important skill to have if you're going to be working in global health. Uh, understanding cultural uh, context uh, in in uh, in your work is all. All those are important, um, and people who have those skills uh, generally do very very well at CDC. Uh, people who communicate well, writing and in public speaking, also uh, are is a highly sought after uh, skill set uh, that doesn't necessarily relate maybe to a specific technical skill, um, but people who can communicate well uh, are are sought after uh, at CDC. Uh, I think the new director at CDC, uh, from what I just the little bit I've seen of her so far, one of the reasons I think she was probably selected is she seems to be have very very high communication skills. Interesting. Um, well, you talked about the pandemic a little bit, but I'm just curious how you anticipate COVID nineteen impacting the field of global health in the next few years. Uh, I know that's a broad question. 
There's the immediate issue of controlling the epidemic uh, and the pan and the pandemic in the United States and and around the world. Um, and uh, as so, there's a couple of things associated with that are that are really going to affect um, public uh, global public health in the United States and global health. Um, uh, one is to you know the control efforts that need to be put in place and how they affect uh, the current public health system. Uh, and there's a great worry uh, around uh, other public health issues that we've been dealing with for centuries, like tuberculosis and uh, and and uh, uh, most immediately childhood immunization programs all around the world, all not being not being. Um, uh, as productive as they were, and in some cases not even happening now, uh, and what that may mean for future outbreaks of, of childhood measles and rubella and all the all the diseases that we've been working so hard to try to control and and, and global health. Uh, true in the United States also is more uh, numbers of people who whose children aren't getting vaccinated right now because of COVID uh, is a real concern. And, and that will result in us having to revisit those programs in global health uh, uh, once the once we've controlled COVID uh, in, uh, and get back to uh, to reestablishing what what uh, what uh, may have been a good program and now uh, and now has to to get uh, a refocus on because of uh, problems with uh, trying to to uh, control the, the the COVID pandemic. Uh, I think there are some real opportunities, though. Also, the, there's go, the, it's um, has pointed out great needs in the United States around public health infrastructure, uh, the need to increase surveillance uh, for public health. Um, challenges, uh, the need to, to have more active response mechanisms, the need to have uh, vaccination programs that are robust and in place, uh, the need to have st uh, stockpiles of uh, protective uh, uh, gear and, and, uh, and medicines and vaccines. Um, all of those, I think, will have will continue to be um, supported over the next few years, uh, and that provides a lot of opportunity, a lot of growth uh, for uh, for people coming into the field to the field of public health right now. So, from from that standpoint, I can see that there's a lots of opportunities as a result of uh, of the COVID pandemic, as 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 uh, just as there is lots of challenges and. And trying to respond to the epidemic, trying to respond to the, 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 uh, uh, you're seeing more and more reports around the world of increased uh, 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 lack of access to food and food security being a huge issue related because of COVID. Uh, that results in all kinds of other health related issues. Um, those are all going to be things that we're going to have to, uh, to, um, respond to as 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 we deal with the covid ep epidemic right yes many many big challenges but also lots of opportunities lots to, of opportunities to too. impact people yeah <laughs> um well great michael was there anything else that you wanted to add just about your your time at cc or the fellowship program no just that it's a the CDC as a as a career, if that's where your interests are, is a great place to work, and uh, 
all the, all the challenges of working in a big organization are also there, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, but also there's a chance to have a very diverse career and a uh, and a uh, a very uh, productive one in which you you really see that you're you're helping, you know. Right. Well, great. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for being on the podcast today and sharing with listeners all your experience and perspective. It's really valuable. So, yeah. Thanks, Whitney. Thank you to our guest, Mike Sage, and all of you for tuning in to the PHI CDC Global Health Podcast. This podcast is a project of the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program, which is implemented by the Public Health Institute and its partner, Consortium of Universities for Global Health for the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Please join us next time as we share more fellowship stories. To learn more about our program and see how we are making meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges, visit our website at phi-cdcfellows.org. If you enjoy the podcast, you can always subscribe or rate us and leave a review. We love to see those and it helps others find the podcast. For questions, please email us at info at phi-cdcfellows.org. This podcast is produced by Whitney Hall. Thank you to Mike Sage, Christine Caraballo, Jazdeep Dulé, Natasha Alcas, Rora Michael, Christine Jolly, CDC's Center for Global Health, PHI, and CGH.